Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, we are going to be starting a new sermon series that is based in Matthew chapter 13. And this is a series that we're calling Like. Now, why would we call it like? Well, that that language finds its root in Matthew 13, where in Matthew 13, Jesus teaches a number of different parables. And in all of those parables, when Jesus teaches, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like blank. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower who casts seed. The kingdom of heaven is like weeds that grow up in the midst of wheat. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that catches fish. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is, is like tre- treasure that is hidden in the backyard of a house. And in each of these instances, in each of these stories that Jesus tells, we find something out about the kingdom of heaven where Jesus takes something that we know from this world and uses it as an analogy to teach us something about the kingdom that he is building. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at a number of those parables together. But before we get to looking at those parables, I want us to to look at chapter 13 kind of in a flyover. And as we fly over chapter 13 of Matthew, what we're going to see is that on a number of different occasions, Jesus lets us know why he taught with parables. In other words, why not just give us a bullet-pointed list? I have a friend, Courtney, who that when I communicate with him, he says, just give me the bullet points. Give me the, the bottom line. Why did Jesus not just give us bullet points? Why is it that he, that he teaches in parables? Well, He answers that question for us, and we're going to see that today as we look at a number of different verses inside of chapter 13. But before we look at those verses together, I want to just uh, acknowledge something, and that is um, that when we get packages, sometimes those packages have our name on it. And let me ask you a question. Do you ever get a package with your name on it that you don't open? And the answer to that, if we're honest, is sometimes. I think of it in my world in the sense that almost every day I think I get a letter from an air conditioning repair company. And my name is right there on the outside of the envelope, and yet I've grown so accustomed to seeing this, and it's not really for me. My name is on it, but it's not really for me. I take it and I just throw it away. I get something that was addressed to me, but I don't even really acknowledge it anymore. I don't know if you ever do that. But there are other things that are given to us that we certainly open that have our name on it. You know, if my son ever gives me a present, I don't look at it and it says, to dad from Josh. I don't look at it and go, oh, that's nice, and set it down and never open it. When, when Kimberly gives me a note or a letter or a gift for birthday or Father's Day or whatever it is, I don't see that to Mark, love Kimberly and go, oh, that's nice, and leave it on the shelf. When I see those gifts that come to me from somebody that I know knows me and loves me, I quickly open them to find what's on the inside. And in the same way, what we need to be reminded of as we get ready to look at Matthew chapter 13 is that the Bible is a gift that God has given to us. 
The truth that is revealed inside of this book is a gift that is wrapped up and our name is on the outside. And let's not make the mistake of thinking that it's just junk mail that's been spammed out to everyone. But under the sovereign direction of God, in his grace, it has made it into our hands. And God has a desire for it to go from our hands and into our heart to transform our minds as we follow him. Friends, this is a gift that God has given to us. In Matthew chapter 13, as Jesus teaches in parables, we find out something more about the gift that has been given to us. So this morning, we're going to begin our study again by looking at Matthew 13 and kind of a flyover, looking at a number of different verses to find out why Jesus taught in parables and what that has to do with you and with me. So if you've got a Bible, open to Matthew chapter 13, or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet, tap your way to Matthew 13. We're going to spend our time in these verses today. And we're going to look at three different sections of this chapter, and in those three sections, we're going to see three things about why Jesus taught in parables and how we might respond to that reality. The first set of truths that we're going to see are found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And in those verses, we see this, God's truth is a gift. God's truth is a gift. Now, where do we, where do we see that in these verses? Well, beginning in verse 10, we, we find out that Jesus had been teaching to the crowds, and he had been teaching in a parable of the parable of the sower. You know, you remember uh, the OU sower statue? You realize that that sower statue has its roots in a story that Jesus told. We're going to look at that story next Sunday. But Jesus teaches in this story about the sower, and after he teaches that, the disciples come up to him, and they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, we've got a question. How come when you're teaching this crowd, you're not just giving them bullet points? How come you're not just teaching it plainly to them? Why are you telling this story? Verse 10, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Parables being a story that have a symbolic point to it. Now, if you were to ask that question of yourself, what, how do you think Jesus would answer this? How do you think he would answer? Why are you teaching in parables? We might say to make the two-dimensional three-dimensional. To take something that they know, like fish and agriculture, and use it to explain something that they don't know, like the kingdom of heaven. We might think that that the, the whole point of the parables was to illuminate in some way, in a deeper way. And that's, certainly there's truth to that. But that's not exactly how Jesus answers the question, is it? Jesus answers the question of why he's speaking in parables in verse 11 this way. He says to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Wow. What's he saying there? He says that he's teaching in parables for really two purposes. One purpose is to reveal to those who are trusting him more about his plan. But at the same time, he's teaching in parables to conceal to those who are rejecting him, greater truth. In other words, Jesus could speak publicly in parables to illuminate those who are trusting him 
while at the same time not casting his pearls before swine, if you will. Jesus is concealing the truth to those who reject him while simultaneously revealing it to those who are trusting in him. That's what he says. Now, what is it that Jesus is revealing? Well, it says here that he is revealing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what are the secrets of the kingdom of heaven? What are the mysteries, literally is what it says, of the kingdom of heaven? Now, this idea of the kingdom of heaven was certainly no secret. And it absolutely was no mystery in the sense that the Old Testament talks about a time when Messiah will come and will set up his rule on the earth. From David's throne, he will have an everlasting kingdom, the Bible says. The lion will lie down with the lamb, and order will be set up upon the earth with the Messiah, Jesus, at the center of it. This is what the Old Testament pointed to. It's what the expectation and the hope for Messiah was by those who lived inside of the first century. So in many ways, There is no mystery of the kingdom of heaven. There is no secret of the kingdom of heaven. And yet Jesus here says he's teaching in parables some way to relate the secrets of the kingdom. What are these secrets? Well, the the answer to that is that the secrets were expanding on the reality of the kingdom to let them know why there was a gap between when Jesus came and when he would ultimately sit on David's throne and rule on the earth. In other words, the Old Testament did not understand. I mean, it's in there, but the readers of the Old Testament did not get, and those in the first century did not grasp that there were two comings of Jesus. They thought the Messiah would come and that he would bring spiritual and physical relief simultaneously. When Zechariah the prophet wrote about the coming of Messiah, he talked about the coming on a donkey and the coming on a horse, coming in peace and coming at war. He talked about them right up against each other with no clear separation of events. But when Jesus comes onto the earth, what happens is there's this gap that develops. Because of the Jewish leader's rejection of Jesus, we're now 2,000 years in counting between Jesus coming into the earth and Jesus establishing his kingdom upon the earth. To put it another way, if Jesus came to offer healing, then how come we still live in a world with cancer? If Jesus came to put an end to sin, then how come we live in a world that is still sinful? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then how come wars still exist? Right? If if Jesus came that the lion might lie down with the lamb, how come we live in a world today where the lion still eats the lamb? That is a secret or a mystery that the Old Testament doesn't unfold. And so when Jesus begins to talk, he says, I am teaching in parables to let you know about something that the Old Testament hinted at, but it was in the shadows and nobody really got, so I'm going to tell parables to help illuminate the reality that there is a gap between my first and my second coming. You with me? 
That's why Jesus said he taught in parables, was to illuminate this gap. And as Jesus was going to illuminate that gap, why there was this time and how we are to live in this, this gap time between his first and his second coming, as Jesus is going to tell stories to illuminate that secret, he's going to do so in parables. He's going to do so in a way that will reveal that truth deeper to those who trust him while concealing it from those who don't. That's what he says in Verse 12, he says, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Revealing to those who have, concealing from those who don't. That's part of the reason why Jesus was teaching in parables. Now, here's what he continues to say in verse 13 and following. He says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should be, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. In turn, and I would heal them. What Jesus is saying here is as he is teaching in parables, the truth that he is pouring out is like water flowing over a rock for those who have rejected him. In the crowd around Jesus, there were disciples, but there also were those who had rejected him. There were those who had shown up to accuse him. There were those who had shown up and were saying that the work that he was doing was the work of Satan and not of God. Because of that, Jesus said, when I teach him parables, they don't get it because their spirit is dull. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6 in the process of doing that. He says they have a dull spirit. They, the words are going out to them, but it's like bouncing off of their ears. And I am clearly in front of them, but it's like as though I am veiled from their eyes. Jesus said, I teach in parables to conceal this truth from those who have already rejected me. But as Jesus taught in these parables, he also made himself available to those who were trusting in him. The disciples who were trusting in him who were leaning in, who weren't just rejecting him plainly, could come to him afterwards, as we'll see over and over inside of this parable, and say, Jesus, help me understand the parable of the sower. Jesus, help me understand the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus, help me understand what the truth is that you're trying to communicate. And when they would lean in like that, Jesus would go the next step and answer their questions. So by teaching in parables, he was able to conceal it from those who had already made up their minds while revealing it to those that he was drawing to himself. Jesus said this is the reason why he shares his story in parables. Of those who would reject him, Spurgeon says this of their condition. He says they had become so morally and spiritually diseased that the only thing they would notice was the attractive dress of a truth. For the truth itself, they had no liking and no perception. To this day, marvels of creation, works of grace, deeds of providence, and ordinances of religion are all as voiceless music or painted sons to carnal men. They hear not their teaching, and they feel not their power. 
There's a sense where when we reject Christ, that part of the judgment of God upon us is a dullness of our spirit that prevents us from seeing and hearing and understanding the greater truth. But Jesus has a desire for us to understand it. This truth that he was revealing, he is wrapping up and he is putting it in a package and he's extending it to us so that we might understand who he is and what he's up to. You know, just think about it for a moment and just just use an analogy that that, uh, made more sense maybe 20 years ago. How's that for a setup? Um, But we're going to talk about a football huddle. In Norman, Oklahoma, in 2018, what is a huddle on a football field, right? This is the home of the no huddle. But let's just imagine that huddles still existed. And you go to a football game, and you look out on the field, and there is the team that is all huddled up on the inside of that huddle. And we sit in the stands. Don't you want to know what they're talking about? I mean, You ever have a curiosity that goes, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what the play is. I wonder how they're going to make sense of the chaos that is getting ready to ensue so that they might move in concert to accomplish their purpose. You ever wonder that thought? Some of you who are NASCAR fans think that thought. That's why you buy the radios to listen to what they're talking about in the pits, right? Because you want to know what is happening on the other side. Here's what Jesus says, and this is fascinating. For those that want to know, He invites us into the huddle. For those of us that look on and see him doing this down the line, he invites more than just Scott Anderson to know what that means. He invites us to understand what he's doing in this age in which we now live. And in the parables of Matthew chapter 13, he's going to unfold that for us. But we've been invited on the inside. Jesus has wrapped this truth up and he has handed it to us. Now, now here's the thing. If you are here today and you are adamantly opposed to the truth of Scripture, you're here today because you wandered in, a friend invited you, your kid was a part of VBS, you came here for whatever reason, and you are adamantly opposed to the truth, guess what? It's possible for Scripture to be read around you and near you and over you, and it might run off of you, and you might be like, I don't understand any of it. It makes no sense. But here's the thing. As you sit here today, even if you have never trusted in Christ in the past, if this is curious to you, if you're leaning in and you're going, I wonder what God is really like. I wonder how I might connect with him. I wonder what the truth of these stories mean. I wonder what Matthew chapter 13 has to do with me. Guess what? Jesus sees you in the stands and invites you to the huddle. He says, hey, come on in here. Let me explain to you what's happening. Let me talk to you about the mystery that was hidden from long ago, but is evident today. Jesus is inviting us in. He continues in 13, and he says, Blessed are the eyes that see and ears that hear. Verse 17, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What Jesus is saying is, he says, we live in an extraordinary time. Friends, we who live in 2018 have access not just to the Old Testament, but to the New. We have access to the God who has revealed himself in history so that we might know him. You know, Moses was able to see the parting of the Red Sea, but Moses didn't know the full nature of the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
Joshua was able to see the the, the conquering of the land and the walking across the Jordan, and he was able to stack stones, but he wasn't able to see the stone rolled away. He wasn't able to see Lazarus resurrected from the grave. Elijah was able to call down fire from heaven against the prophets of Baal, but Elijah didn't get to see the birth of the church the way that we do as we look at Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost and the things that happened afterwards. Friends, we live in an extraordinary time. The people of old have looked on and longed for this day. They wish they could have had that gift to open and look at, but they had to see it on the other side, but not on this side. But friends, we have been given a gift that includes the old and the new, that includes the promise and the fulfillment, that includes the pattern and the Savior, Jesus Christ. It's wrapped up for us. It is handed to us. It is a gift with our name on it. Will we open it? Jesus has given us a gift. He teaches in parables to reveal that truth to us. We're going to see that over the next few weeks. The second thing that I think we need to look at is this. God's truth is a gift that was prepared years ago. God's truth is a gift that was prepared years ago. What we see in verses 34 and 35 is Jesus acknowledging that prophecy foresaw his ministry long before he ever took on the stage, including the way that he taught. Matthew makes this statement. He says in verse 34, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. It doesn't mean that he only talked in parables, but it meant that when he talked about this age and era in which we live in the presence of those who knew him and those who didn't, he would always tell these stories to find out who was really interested, to find out who was really curious. Verse 35 lets us know that there was another reason why he taught in parables, though, and that was to fulfill prophecy. It says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, and here he quotes Psalm 78, verse 2. I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Psalm 78 that is quoted here is a psalm of a man named Asaph. It's a wonderful psalm. We don't have time to read all of it today, but I would invite you to take a look at it this week. It's a psalm that talks about the history of the nation of Israel. And what Asaph does in the psalm is he he walks through from the time of Jacob and the time of the Exodus all the way up to when David was reigning on the throne, and he shows how God was at work preparing his people through all of that time. So the, the mystery or the secret that was revealed through the parable of Asaph was making sense of history. Things that were hidden in the shadows become clear as Asaph unfolds his prophecy in the psalm. And in the same way, what we see is that Jesus, when he talks, takes the Old Testament events and he shows all all of those in the first century and you and I today how he fits inside of that plan. Certainly there are, are things like The prophecies related to his birth, where this promise of being born of a virgin and the promise of a star shining in the Bethlehem star, all those things, Jesus pointed how those prophecies pointed to himself. He made that clear. But also we have these hints and other stories inside of the Old Testament, like when Jonah spent three days in the fish and Jesus spent time inside the grave, things that pointed to him. 
Friends, God has been preparing the message that Jesus would deliver to us for a very long time, for thousands of years. It has been wrapped up and prepared so that we would get the picture that we have today. God has promised it inside of prophecy, and we need to remember that. And, you know, as I think about that today, I think about the significance of a gift that was prepared long ago, right? Think of a gift. What is the longest that you have ever owned a gift before you gave it away? What's the long? You, you bought a gift and you held on to it for the right moment to give it away. Now, I think about in, in our life, this is maybe a, a bad analogy, but I remember one year we bought our son, Josh, a Christmas present in December. And you're like, well, that's no big deal. Of course we bought it in December of the previous year. Twelve months early, we bought the gift. And to my knowledge, he never found it hidden in the closet. Um, but what did buying a gift that early indicate? It indicated that we anticipated Josh being a part of our family that next year. It indicated our love for him that was going to endure even on a map that we weren't sure everything was going to transpire. We just we knew our love for him 12 months out. So we bought the gift early. We we knew him well enough to know what he would want. And so we, we bought that, and we, we stored it, and we kept it for a year, and at the end of the year, we gave it. It, it was a revelation of, of our love and our heart for him because we bought the gift early. Friends, some of you can relate to that story in a different way. How, how long did the engagement ring sit in your pocket, guys? Some of you who bought it, you bought it early. You had an anticipation, not only that she would like it, but that she would say yes. When you buy a gift early, it's an indication of your heart and your commitment that goes on into the future. And now, those are our shadows, right? But think of this on, on the big scale. Over thousands of years, from all eternity, God had a plan to deliver the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ to you and me. And He is, was lining up the events to help us make sense of that. He established a sacrificial system so that we would know that the wages of sin is death. He delivered the law so that we would know that we fall short of it in real time in history through the people of Israel. He disciplined them through times of exile so that we would understand his commitment to his people over time. He had promises that were fulfilled in real time so that we would know that he is faithful. God was setting up a story over thousands of years to demonstrate to you and I that this is a gift worth opening. His heart and his patience and his commitment to us flow from every single page. Friends, God's truth is a gift that was prepared years ago. So what do we do? Well, Jesus gives us a clue. He tells us that he wants us to open and to use the gift that he's given. Now, where do we see that? We see it in verses 51 and 52. Jesus in these verses has a little interaction with the disciples that I I think is really funny. Uh, they, Jesus says to them, okay, have you understood all these things? Jesus had just taught them all of these things in parables. And he says, okay, did, did you get it? Did you get everything I just said? When I told you this parable and that parable and that parable, did you get it all? Their answer, yes. 
Now, I think that's funny, right? Because it's a very optimistic estimation, isn't it? Now, I don't think that they got none of it. I, I think this is a truthful answer. They, they understood en- enough, right? They understood the gist of what he was trying to say. They were leaning in. But they certainly didn't understand all of it. But even to those who didn't understand everything perfectly, Jesus tells them a story, really another parable that lets them know what they're to do with this truth that he has given to them. He says to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. What Jesus is saying is, he says, everybody who has grasped any part of this truth that I have given to you is like somebody who owns a house, and in that house is a vault that is full of treasure. It's got some things that are old from the Old Testament that go all the way back to the story of creation and the story of the Exodus, et cetera, et cetera. But it also includes the new and Jesus' explanation and illumination of the old through the promises of the New Testament and his death on the cross and his offer of new life to you and I. See, if we understand any piece of that, then we are like somebody who has a vault inside of us that is full of treasure. And Jesus said, if you find yourself with treasure inside of you, bring it out. And and bring it out, not just so that you can look at it in front of you and you can count it, but bring it out so that you can use it. I don't know if you've uh, had this experience in your life, but when Kimberly and I got married, we were given a lot of dishes. You know, as a, as a 21-year-old guy, Anna and Nathan, you guys just got married, you're nodding, right? You get, you get a few dishes. That's part of how, how it works when you get married. It's a wonderful blessing. But when we got these dishes, that was not exactly what a 21-year-old me wanted, um, but it's proven very useful in our life, every meal that we've eaten. Right? But when you think about the, 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 the gift of those, those dishes, we were given some dishes that we use all the time, but we were also given some other dishes that were from, they were called April Poem. You're impressed that I know that, but we were given these April Poem dishes. Um, and every once in a while, on a special event, we'll pull those special dishes down and we'll set the table and we'll eat off of those special dishes. We only get them out when we're going to use them. We don't get them out to go, okay, still got those 10 dishes, check. We get them out when we're going to use them. And what Jesus says in this story is he says, those of you who have embraced the truth that I have revealed to you, he says, I want you to get it out and not get it out to count it, not get it out to chart it, not get it out to be reminded of how smart you are or how much you know or all the great things God has done. But he says, I want you to get those things out and set them out so that you might use them for their intended purpose. So that the truth that God has revealed might transform the way that you relate to your family or to your friends and your relationships. So that 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 truth might permeate your attitudes and your actions and your responses and the words that you speak. Get them out and, and use them. Live in light of that truth. But even beyond that, get those things out so that you might share them with others. The purpose of a scribe, Jesus here calls us scribes, was to teach the truth that they knew. God has a desire for those of us who have been given these truths that we would be willing and able to share them with others. And friends, 
That's part of the reason why I'm so encouraged by the last week here at Wildwood. I've seen Wildwood members take the truth that God has placed in our vault and take it out of the vault and use it for His glory to point others to Himself. We've already talked about a number of those instances. I'll tell you just one more. I had the privilege on Tuesday night to go over to um, Wewoka, Oklahoma, and visit a motocross camp. Now, me at a motocross camp is a weird fit. I just got to tell you that. Um, but, but I was over there at this camp because two Wildwood members, Gene and Elena Thomas, um, know that world. And they had a desire to see that world come to know Jesus. And so out of the vault of their soul, they took those truths out and they put them to use to teach their friends about Jesus. And over 100 people in the motocross community are gathered there that night while an X Games athlete was sharing his testimony and pointing them to Jesus. Friends, all of us have the opportunity to take out of our souls the vault of our souls, the gifts that God has given us, the truth that was wrapped up and prepared for all time and extended to us. We have the opportunity to share that with others. It won't always be through a camp. It'll be over a a meal. It'll be as we answer the questions of a friend. It'll be as we come alongside and comfort somebody who is suffering. But we have the privilege and the opportunity of putting to use the things that God has blessed us with. And here's the thing. Jesus tells all of this as a setup for a series of stories that let you and I know the secrets of what he's up to today and how you and I can be a part of it. The answer to that question, you got to come back for next week as we're going to look at the parables that he tells in chapter 13. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together today as a church the opportunity to open your word and study it. And Father, we pray that you would just help us to be people who have a soft heart and not a dull heart, that you would help us to to open the gift of truth that you've extended to us and live in light of it. Father, may everyone in this room, everyone who hears my voice, Father, may may they be those who understand the gift that you've extended and that you would give them the faith to follow. Thank you that we don't do this alone. We, We gather as a church family, and we also rely upon your spirit that is within us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. 